Welcome to episode nine of All the Best Craft Banter, brought to you by Liquor Connect, showcasing all products made in Alberta under the Alberta Made section on their website. This episode, we will be speaking with president of the BCMB, the Beverage Container Management Board, Blair Gullis, and president of Pink Boots Canada, Natasha Piscar. We'll be talking a little bit about Women's History Month and the initiatives that are going on, including the Brave Noise Brew. All right. Well, thank you to Blair Gallus for joining us today from BCMB. Um, if you wouldn't mind providing a bit of an introduction of yourself. Uh, thank you so much for having me, Blair. Um, once again, my name is Blair Gallus. I'm the president of the BCMB. I've been with the BCMB for 11 years, and I have been president for the last two years. I'm really excited to be here today to share some information on beverage container registration and our recycling programs in Alberta. Um, We are excited to work with the Alberta Small Brewers Association on a collaborative approach to solving some of these common problems or misunderstandings that might be out there. Um, Your members are definitely part of a rapidly growing industry. Uh, We're excited for you guys. Uh, It's great for us as Albertans. And so we want to help on the other end of the environmental impact side um, to make things easier and simpler where we can. Perfect. Sounds great. I I imagine BCMB will be new to some of our listeners as some of them are the general public, um, but hopefully our brewers take a lot away from this conversation. What is BCMB and its role in beverage container registration? You bet. It's, uh, we have numerous roles, but the BCMB is the provincial regulator for beverage container recycling systems in Alberta. We've been in operation since 1997, and we regulate a large network of depots, manufacturers, retailers, and their agents. We work with many stakeholder groups, including AGLC, the Government of Alberta, the Alberta Beverage Container Recycling Corporation, Brewers Distributing Limited, and a network of over 220 depots and their membership organization. The BCMB's role is to ensure that all players in the system are in compliance with the Beverage Container Recycling Regulation and BCMB bylaws that have been approved by our board. We operate programs such as Beverage Container Registry, auditing programs at depots, manufacturer collection plants, retailers, and we evaluate system performance to to be accountable to the public, to the government, and to all stakeholders of the system, um, and to report on that performance. Um, In general, we collect, the system collects over 2 billion beverage containers each year, um, and we're really proud to report a collection rate that has been over 80% and as high as 86% for at least uh, the last decade. Um, We have uh, over 500 manufacturers that register products with the BCMB, and we have nearly 200,000 different types of beverage containers registered in our database. So there's there's a lot of of things to deal with, Um, a lot of interesting entrepreneurial products that are coming our way in Alberta. And actually, the Alberta system is probably the most diverse system in Canada in terms of what we will accept into our system. And I think that's something to celebrate. Um, And uh, lastly, there are currently 24 different types of beverage container container material streams registered and approved with the BCMB. So those are things like PET and aluminum um, and all sorts of different products. 
Each of these is assigned a handling commission. This commission is the amount paid to a depot on each container for the collection and sorting of those containers. And container sorting is so valuable as it creates clean material streams that bring higher commodity prices for recyclers who purchase those products from our system, and it helps to make really viable recycling systems. That's a lot. That is a lot in information and those numbers. I, I honestly had no idea. That's an astounding number. Um, wow. Okay. <laughs> Like where to go from there? Okay, I know it's it's a huge success. <laughs> That's a success for Albertans. And Absolutely. I mean, if, if you grew up here in Alberta, you are very used to going to a depot with your parents and returning products, and and that's the cornerstone of how this system works. That's amazing, and to hear that it's as high as eighty six percent actually coming back. That I, honestly, that surprises me a bit, but also like we should be really proud of that. Absolutely. Yeah. One of the highest uh, collection rates in Canada, maybe even the world. Wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's amazing. (laughs) Okay. So given the number that you just threw out at us about the number of products that are registered, the number that go through the system, why do I imagine this is the important part? Why must containers be registered? Yeah, um, really great question. Thank you for asking it. I know it's very important to your brewers to understand this. So I have a few points similar to the last question. So bear with me or stop me as you need to, and we can dive in a little bit more. Um, Alberta has a deposit refund system. This means that ever sealed and ready to serve beverage container has a deposit value of either 10 or 10 or 25 cents, which is the minimum deposit assigned in regulation. So deposit refund systems are excellent because they provide financial incentive for the public to recycle and they produce collection rates, you know, that we just talked about far higher than non-deposit systems. This ultimately means increased litter control and environmental protection, which is why the BCMB exists in the first place. Um, Alberta system is a user pay system. When a person purchases a beverage, they pay for the beverage of their choice and two additional fees. The first being the container recycling fee. These fees are set by an organization called the Alberta Beverage Container Recycling Corporation. They are the agent that represent manufacturers for the purpose of collecting and recycling those containers. And then the second fee is the refundable deposit, the 10 or 25 cents. When a person returns that container to a depot, the the, uh, depot refunds the deposit value of the 10 or 25 cents. And the container recycling fee, which is non-refundable, is used to pay for the cost of collection and recycling of those containers. So all manufacturers or retailers that bring a product into Alberta for sale to the public must register that container with the BCMB. This ensures that the BCMB identifies each manufacturer and each type of beverage container being sold. The BCMB is ultimately looking to ensure that the packaging of the container is recyclable and that the manufacturer or retailer has entered into an agreement with the manufacturer's agent. That agreement requires each manufacturer to report on the number of containers sold each year, and then to remit the deposit and the container recycling fee for each of those containers. And then that money funds the system and is used to refund consumers when they return their container to a depot. Um, And some of the intricacies of this is that not all beverage containers um, are sold 
uh, that are sold in Canada are sold in Alberta, and not all provinces have deposit refund systems. This is one reason why it's important to require manufacturers to register their products. Um, when a depot accepts a container and refunds the deposit value to a consumer, the depot is required to make sure that container is registered. If it's not registered, they are not allowed to accept it or pay the refund on that container. If a manufacturer or retailer is selling beverages in Alberta and not registering, reporting, and remitting on those containers, we call those manufacturers free riders. A free rider is not good for a number of reasons. Number one, they are not meeting the responsibilities under regulation. Number two, they are not paying their fair share of the cost to recycle their beverage containers. Three, they're causing distrust and frustration at the depot public level. Individual Albertans don't typically understand the intricacies of the beverage container recycling system, as they shouldn't. And if a depot refuses to accept a container that has not been registered, that creates tension between the public member and the depot and has a negative effect on the system's reputation um, and on the manufacturer's reputation and puts the onus on the depots to sort of police that manufacturer retailer non-compliance, which is not ideal on any level. Um, and number four, if a depot is found to accept out-of-province containers or non-registered containers, they can actually face non-compliance measures and compliance fees. So they take it very serious. And uh, however, it's a little bit backwards in having them police that system. Um, and finally, non-registered beverage containers are likely to end up in landfill. So if they're not accepted by a depot, and this does not serve to protect the environment or to enhance anybody's reputation in the system. That's yeah, no, that's that's a great point. I mean, I think knowing the creativity and different containers that could come up and where people are trying to stand out, you know, if those products aren't registered and they do end up in the landfill, we all know what happens after that. Like, yeah, they sit there for a long time. They end up in different streams. They end up in waterways. Like, definitely there's a benefit to ensuring that we're all playing in the same system. And at the end of the day, it's a consumer good as well as an environmental good. Yeah, well said. Perfect. No, that's really interesting. Um, so how do craft brewers register their company and their products to ensure that they're not free riders? Ah, excellent question. So um, this is the relationship between AGLC, the BCMB, and manufacturers. And all alcoholic products or containers must be registered with AGLC. I'm pretty sure brewers know that you can't operate without your license and all the conditions that they put on. Um, but what brewers don't know is that behind the scenes, AGLC is actually registering these containers with the BCMB on their behalf and they're reporting and remitting on them. So that creates a nice streamlined system for manufacturers. But where it derails is when a brewer or a retailer produces a product on site and or fills and seals their own beverage containers from a vat of beer or from whatever they're, whatever they're doing, which of course consumers love, um, for purposes of, of, of take home. Um, it is then the responsibility of those brewers or retailers to register themselves as a company and their product with the BCMB and then to report and remit, so to pay for the recycling costs of those products with the ABCRC, the organization that I mentioned earlier. Okay. So just to be clear on that point, so the difference would be if you're going through AGLC Connect Logistics, 
it read AGLC registers for you. But if you're selling direct consumer in your tap room or doing a direct home delivery, that's where you would need to ensure that you have registered yourself. Exactly right. Because that's where AGLC loses control. They don't know what you're doing with that product. They had it came in either one big container or you created it at your brewer, your 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 brewer um, um, location. So it's uh, it's it's really important. Um, some of those elements. I mean, the, the volume. We don't know exactly what that looks like, but we do know that these containers are showing up at depots, and it does cause that confusion and that frustration that we're we're seeing it also it's also very confusing for all other products you know from from milk juice water you name it um all the way to everything liquor are registered these guys can't just have this free rider ability because we have to do something with those containers and and sustainability of our individual organizations and systems and what we manufacture nowadays is the talk that that's that's where everything is going and, and it has to go if we want to live in a clean environment. Um, and uh, it's just important. It's another step. And I and I completely understand that, which is why we are currently in discussions with AGLC. Um, we're asking them if there's any way we can simplify this for brewers. Maybe brewers, once they operate in that manner, they send in their numbers to AGLC and then AGLC reports them in addition once a year and reports and remit. There, these conversations need to happen. And I would imagine with uh, your group, they, you know, you probably should be part of those conversations as well to see if we can streamline some things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Any way that we can make it easier in the long run for everyone and ensure that everyone's on side. That's, that's great. Um, yeah, I think there's definitely ways that we can, we can do that. And uh, I'm going to shout out to our policy committee. They can help me uh, look at that and figure out some suggestions. <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. Perfect. Um, is there anything else our members need to know about the BCMB and beverage container registration? The definition, the definition of a manufacturer um, includes a person who carries on the business of filling a container with a beverage and a person who imports a beverage in a container into Alberta for the purpose of distribution or sale. Um, distributors and retailers can be deemed manufacturers if they conduct that business. And that's where brewers will fall in. So if they are doing that beyond just buying products and selling them like they receive from AGLC, that's when they become and are defined in those categories. So we work, the BCMB works really closely with Alberta Environment and Parks. Serious manufacturing non-compliance activities are reported to their compliance team um, who can take action. And that can include issuing large administrative penalties. And so that's something that we would all like to avoid uh, at all costs. Um, and it does not need to happen, but it would happen if you repetitively skirted the system um, and, uh, and you know didn't play fair. Mm-hmm. No, that makes total sense. And from the consumer's perspective, how does BCMB affect their purchase? You kind of already touched on that. Um, so if if you feel like we've touched on it, that's good. We can move forward. But uh, if you have anything else to add, that would be great. Well, there's, and, and, and maybe even just before that, there's a little bit of a delineation between a manufacturer and a retailer. And I think this could be important to brewers to know, considering where they get their product from. And there, I imagine brewers sell other things that are not alcohol-based. Um, and so they should be aware of this anyhow. So before registering, we would tell any retailer out there, before registering your company with BCMB, if you think you're bringing in products, 
we would ask you to work with your manufacturer distributors and ask for something called the Alberta registration number. That's a number provided by BCMB that says, yes, this container has been registered and go for it. You have no stops with us. If you've received that, great, move forward. But if they aren't registered, then the responsibility will then fall onto the retailer who's selling it. They can either go back to their manufacturer and distributor and ask them to register it. Um, but I would love to shout from the rooftops that retailers should know that they should put those in their contracts with these distributors so that it doesn't fall on them to then report and remit and pay the deposit and pay the CRF, which is just that extra step. Um, it's uh, Those are some technicalities to work through, but very important. And additionally, the one other thing that the BCMB requires for retailers is advertising of the deposit. So anywhere that that beverage is sold, there's a requirement to advertise whatever that deposit value is, the 10 or 25 cents. And this is solely to create awareness in Albertans that that is a recyclable product, that you're going to pay for that deposit refund the time you purchase, and you can get it back by taking it to a depot. Um, and those are things that we actually audit. So we'll come into retailer locations and breweries, and we'll, we'll look at those products. And if you fail to do that, um, we're going to inform you first. We're going to tell you, hey, we found these products. Please do this and, and either advertise it or get them registered. After step number one, if you fail to do that, we start issuing compliance fees. And, uh, and, and you know, we would hate to escalate something to environment and parks, but ultimately that's what we would do if there was no compliance. Gosh, I know that makes complete sense. Um, and I think, fortunately, uh, in this industry, we're used to being audited and having inspectors come in and check on things. So I think that's one of those simple things to, to do. Um, do you guys provide samples of what an advertisement would look like within a space? Yeah, we absolutely do. On our website, you can pull them off. They're very simple. You know, the, the, the product UPC code and a 10 or 25 cent deposit. I mean, it's as simple as it can get. You can make your own work. We're not super picky. It just, they need to see them. Ideally, you would love it to see, to go all the way through the till to show the CRF, to show the deposit. And those are extra steps. Some, some retailers are able to do that. Others, it's, it's too much of a complication or an expense. And, and we understand that as well. But, uh, but those are things that just help educate because our, our, the deposit system is very important. It's worth protecting. In order to protect it, you need people informed. Um, without deposit systems, we're going to see containers back in, in ditches and in our waterways and all of those sort of things because people aren't very motivated by, by that return of the deposit. Yeah, no doubt. Um, and just kind of to jump back to your earlier point. So as an example, if a brewery wants to bring in a non-alcoholic option, they don't make it, but they want to bring in, say, a craft soda from BC or something. Asking that manufacturer either for their registration number or ensuring that Al the Alberta manufacturer does that registration on their behalf is necessary. So those would be your two options. See if they have it yeah. already and can provide it or ensure that you're doing it yourself. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And, and it's much easier to do it on the outset and arrange that contract with that distributor than having to deal with it later. We, we deal with a lot of stories that say, well, they won't tell us if they're doing it. We have no idea. Are they in there? There's a, there is quite a bit of confusion sometimes or a lack of responsibility on, 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 in, with some. Lots are incredibly responsible and do everything perfectly. But I can understand why that would be hard. And so the power is at the start. When you want to buy their product, put those conditions in. 
Interesting. I'm not sure yeah. why anyone would feel they need to keep that a secret, but interesting. I'm sure there's all sorts of stories. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm sure in every world there are. And, and, the, and the next question you would ask is from a consumer perspective. So how does BCMB affect their purchase? And I mean, ultimately we did mostly cover this, but to reiterate, so our role is the fact that beverage container registration is regulated. It gives the consumer confidence that the containers hold, um, that the containers that they're purchasing can be recycled. And that's actually really unique in Alberta. A lot of other provinces don't do it that way. They'll just accept whatever comes in. And they, even if when they accept it, it might end up in the landfill or might end up in a trailer sitting there for years until somebody can figure out something to do with it. But in Alberta, we're trying to be more proactive. We have some old grandfathered products that aren't recyclable, and we're working on a plan to either end those or find, find interesting, innovative systems to, to manage them. But I would be comforted by that as an Albertan, that every, every beverage container that I choose to drink or purchase is going back in the system and is legitimately being recycled. And the recycling rates of those products are verified. They have recycling scorecards. There, there's, there's so many processes that we undertake. So we, as an Alberta, you should be really proud of these systems that people well before me have been with the BCMB for 11 years have, have created and that we've just got to enhance. Um, and so and ultimately, the level playing field is really important too. You know, everybody has to be responsible. That's the way extended producer responsibility and these new environmental frameworks are going to work. If you produce a product, you are going to need to create some sort of circular economy or recycling systems for these products to get them back. Putting them in landfill and making them a municipal problem is not an option. You're going to see those things go by the wayside. You won't be able to do that with a toothbrush, let alone a beverage container. So that's the way that the world is turning. Um, and uh, ultimately, the other impact probably is the feel of that container recycling fee, which is put on by the manufacturer's agent. There is that non-refundable fee. And those range from one to 12 cents for most containers. And that is just the net cost of actually recycling those products, what it, what it takes. So if it's harder to recycle, there isn't much commodity. It's difficult to separate parts of those containers, which is something we get from brewers. Actually, really creative, awesome designs. Very, very difficult to recycle and pull things apart. So we would, we would say it's important for brewers too to actually look at sustainability design. There's, there's so many considerations. What is the glue that you're putting a label on an aluminum can, right? Like there's, there's so many, we have to be able to separate every part of those containers. If we don't, eventually our recyclers say we can't accept that product anymore because of the contamination rates. And we're right at the cornerstone of hitting some of those. And, and, and it's all about cost effectiveness too. I realize that from brewer side, you know, what container is feasible for me to use? Um, it's a dynamic question, but I would really encourage them to, to check in with the BCMB and work in advance of choosing a container type um, because the more recyclable it is, the cheaper it will be for them to use. For sure. No, I, that's a great point. And I think that kind of runs into my next question for you. Um, where do manufacturers often run into problems with the CMB and where are they not doing things correctly? And you kind of touched on that PSL label, which I definitely have communicated to our members in a few different areas. Um, and we're aware that this is becoming an issue. Um, and looking at what the alternatives might be, like, is it a zipper label that the consumer can pull off and then you get an, a blank can at the recycling people? Or how does it look? Because 
you kind of noted this as well, there are um, barriers to being able to do printed cans. So looking at what those alternatives on a more cost-effective label, but one that also isn't contaminating the stream is definitely a priority uh, within the industry. We're, we're just not there yet, but we're working towards it and thinking about how we can solve this problem. That's, uh, that's so good to hear. I'm glad it's at this level because uh, it, it's going to take brewers and manufacturers getting together and designing solutions. It's not going to be a one-off. Um, and so that, that makes me really happy to hear. It's a complicated issue because if you had something like a zipper label, for example, and a consumer pulled it off, a depot could not confirm that that container was registered because they're going to need to scan that UPC code, identify the brand. And there's a lot of out of province containers that can slip into this province either by accident or on purpose. Um, and they don't have deposits paid or CRFs paid on them. And then the system is funding those containers and that's considered fraud. And there's some systemic fraud that does occur. And so we're trying to eliminate that. So that the, the container needs to be identifiable, which puts just another barrier up there. But at, at this point in time, I can't figure out a different way to manage that process. Um, and, and so we're always open to suggestions. <laughs> um, maybe, there's a, maybe there's something to do. And I mean, off-spec containers or expired products are another issue. And that's something that we see from brewers. Uh, they will empty their containers. They have not been registered. And then they'll bring them back to a depot. I love the idea that they want to recycle them. It's just that you can't claim a deposit on them then. Um, and we've dealt with many breweries um, in this capacity. So, so we said, sure, bring them in. We'll ship them right to our collection agent. We'll get them recycled. We really appreciate that. But <laughs> a deposit's only claimable. Right. You have to pay to use the system. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so that's a bit of that education piece that I would really like to get out there as well. Okay. Yeah. So for our brewery members, if you have low fills and you empty those, you can't just take that container back without having it registered. And if you give a batch that didn't go well to, or has gone stale to a distiller to use instead or vinegar or something like that, you have to still register those products. Exactly, you do. And if you don't want to, then you need to contact us and say, I'm going to have this 3,000 containers or 30,000 or whatever you're working with. Um, how can I recycle these without registering them and putting them through a depot? Um, mm -hmm. And we can, as long as it's a recyclable material, you know, if it's aluminum, great, you know, whatever you're using, um, we can get them right to our agent, direct pickup or drop off, and then it's just dealt with. So you know they're in the system, you know you're doing the right thing, and then nobody's claiming a deposit where it hasn't been paid. Perfect. That's great to know that there's an option that doesn't involve having to move around some funds or anything like that. Like you do <sighs> still have an option to play in the system without having to go through rent, like, yeah, paying and registering and all that stuff every time. If it's a bigger batch that just didn't make it to shelves, then. Yes. Only for those situations. It's right. not an option if you're selling it to, to consumers, then there's no option. Totally fair. Yes. <laughs> we will make that distinction very clear. <laughs> uh, that, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And so and I think we covered the rest about the container design and all of those things. A good looking container is not necessarily recyclable. And I, we all love them. I mean, I, I'm the first person to enjoy all the different things and all the products that come up. But right away, I'm looking, how is the lid attached or not? What is the label? What is the glue? Why is there three different products, material streams on this? You know, so those are all the, the questions we're going to ask. 
gosh, I, yeah, I feel like there's a, a bigger conversation to be had here to figure out a path forward for our brewery members and maybe bringing in some of our label partners as well and figuring out if there's a glue alternative that can uh, get lower that contamination level at the very least. Okay. I would love that. Perfect. Absolutely. Me too. Um, okay. And then, so with so many more products in registered containers over the last couple of years, given COVID, we see a lot more products in breweries, but also larger manufacturers going into even just a simple 355 milliliter can. I imagine the uh, amount you see coming back has increased, but what has been the effect with BCMB or on the system? Yeah, it's um, it's always a, sort of a race, you know, um, to catch up. If manufacturers are registering their products, then that's just increasing the the denominator. We know that more products are being sold, so we're going to expect more products to come back. We're prepared. We have um, one of the best collection systems uh, of over two hundred and twenty depots. I mean, to create a collection system like that, you're looking at five to seven hundred million dollars. I mean, it's 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 pretty outstanding that this exists. And they have an excellent role. These these individuals are great business owners, all varied as as much as individual people are um, in their operations. But what it does is it's a little bit of a challenge to identify all the system players. Um, we always start at education, like like, like any good regulator should. Uh, what are the rules? Why do the rules exist? How can I maneuver within them? Um, so we're always willing to have those conversations. Um, and, and, and there are situations where people just truly don't know. That's never the answer. I mean, we're never allowed to say that to the police. I didn't know what the speed limit was here, right? Like it, it never works. So, um, so, so we really encourage um, brewers to understand or try to understand the rules or reach out to AGLC reach out to BCMB, reach out to more experienced brewers or other people in the industry that have that knowledge, reach out to you guys, you know, who have these connections um, so that they can, you know, navigate. I, I, uh, I agree all the regulations and rules around products and distributions and food and beverages are enormous. And uh, I know it's a burden and it's sometimes a last thing in the back of anyone's mind to have to now register the container. I, 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 I get, I get that that is a, a lot, but it serves such a good purpose. We can't have these things sitting in our environment. We just can't do that anymore. Um, and that's why we're here. So, and I guess it, uh, you know, it, uh, it increases the complexity, all these new products that are coming in and actually being able to recycle them. Ideally, like some countries in Europe, we would have, um, you know, maybe five different material streams, you know, a couple types of plastic, aluminum, a glass, and, you know, <laughs> something else and keep things narrowed down. And they can do that in countries that are small and a little bit more uniform. Canada, and I mean, Alberta itself is, is large and complex. And Canada is a very, very large country with lots of different manufacturers and distributors and everybody's bringing in everything. So that means that the system has to be responsive. We have to work together to say, hey, this could be recycled, but is there actually a market to sustainable or that is sustainable to continue to recycle this? And the answer is not always yes. And that's, that's really frustrating. You might just be on the edge of a new age product. And you're going, I know it can work, but there's not enough of them. And that's going to make it very expensive to hold on to that product because typically recyclers won't buy from our system unless it's huge mass quantities. And I mean, 
Alberta with 2 billion beverage containers, almost half of those are aluminum. So if you're working with 1 billion beverage containers every year in aluminum, we sell them into our plants into um, the States. And I believe I've been told that we're only 1% of their system volume. So, so when you, when you right, sort of build these economies of scale, we actually do have to work together. And there is a lot of incentive to choose products if it's possible and financially possible and available um, you know, to, to use things that are more common. Um, I would suggest that that's a really good move where possible. So, and the other thing that I'm really excited for brewers and any manufacturer is that BCMB is working on creating new registration systems. We have really archaic old <laughs> database. I think it's existed since the beginning of time. <laughs> so um, that, <laughs> that we know is not an enjoyable experience. So we're actively working on um, updating that. So it's an intuitive program that people are used to using online that actually will guide you and, and say, hey, do you know that this is what this will cost? That how common this is? And here's how to do it. And you can see have a portfolio. You can see what you've registered and why and how and how the fees are applied or any non-compliance letters could go into a portal, communications in general. So, and we're, we're looking to build that system in common with BC just to start so that you could, a manufacturer could register a one-stop shop um, and just say, I want to BC in Alberta might be some different standards, but then at least it'll fill the pre-fill the forms and, and, and do the things that could help. So hopefully that comes online in the next year or so. Perfect. I feel like you're going to blow some minds though. Uh, brewers are used to dealing with systems that were built in like the nineties and haven't <laughs> come forward to the 21st century. So it's just going to be a weird experience, I think, but that, <laughs> that's great to hear. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds right. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> no, um, perfect. Well, I really appreciate this. Is there anything else maybe you wanted to add on to or add in there? Uh, I mean, no, not really. I think we covered most, and that's a lot of information. And I know some of it's going to seem meaningless or too high to even understand, but that's where we come in. You know, you guys are experts in your world and we need you to help us understand those barriers that you are facing so that we can design systems that can help not, not hurt more. And I'm sure there's going to be some areas that aren't quite as negotiable and, and I get it, you know, but, but but we're genuinely here. We're, we're Albertans too. You know, we're, we're drinking that beer and uh, we, we're, we're, we love those systems. I don't want them to go anywhere. So uh, I, I just want to work together on, on solving some of these problems. So anything you guys need, there's a host of information on our website, but um, just give us a call. We can talk it through. Perfect. No, that sounds great. I think there's a lot of takeaways for listeners, for me as well. Um, but I really appreciate your time. Uh, thank you so much. It was a pleasure. All right. Well, thanks so much for joining us, Natasha. And maybe I'll just ask you to start with an introduction of yourself. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, so my name is Natasha Piscar. My pronouns are she, her, and I am currently the production manager at the Establishment Brewing Company in Calgary, Alberta. <laughs> which if you haven't been go and just a reminder two-time last year brewery of the year award so you know check it out great no welcome and thank you for taking the time and you have other ventures though uh on top of 
being at the establishment. So can you tell us a little bit about Pink Boots and your role there? Yes, definitely. Uh, I, it's funny. I completely glossed, I glossed over the, the Brewery of the Year Awards, but sometimes it's hard to talk about your, your own successes with, uh, with, your, with your brewery. But um, I'm also the co-founder and president of the Pink Boots Society Canada chapter. So I've been involved with the society since 2014, um, but there were a couple of regional chapters throughout Canada and um, in early 2020, National, uh, which is Pink Boots United States, asked us to be an official um, affiliated chapter. And so we had to form as a nationwide not-for-profit um, which is great because it allowed us to pull members together coast to coast and really have a centralized place for advocacy and education and just simply a sense of community. Mm-hmm. And so what is Pink Boots kind of high level? What's the purpose? What are the goals? Yeah, so Pink Boots Society is a not-for-profit Um, It's dedicated to uh, inspiring and educating and encouraging women and non-binary folks in the fermented beverage and alcohol industry. So long story short is what we do is we provide events, um, scholarship opportunities, networking. We have an online forum, all for women and non-binary folks in breweries, cideries, wineries, distilleries, kombucheries, (laughs) sake producers, Uh um, basically anything that's a fermented um, beverage or alcohol beverage. We're talking about this right now in large part because there is a big initiative going on. Do you want to tell us a bit about that? Yeah. So um, this is actually a huge reason why I got involved with Pink Boots Society in 2014. And on International Women's Day, which we just had Tuesday, March 8th, uh, there is a collaboration brew day. It's a worldwide collaboration. I believe last year they had over 400 breweries in 23 different countries taking part. And it's our biggest fundraiser of the year. Um, Plus it raises the profile of women and non-binary folks who are working in the industry. Um, So it's a really uh, great initiative. Uh, This year was my ninth year participating. And I've always tried to really bring in folks for a Brunei 101 or host a group, you know, depending on, current world protocols um, and teach them about something that I really love, which is the brewing industry. Fantastic. And you did mention that that's the biggest uh, fundraising initiative for Pink Boots, but you guys operate year round. Correct. Yes. So we operate year round. Um, This particular fundraiser is our biggest one, but we bring events. Um, We can actually do a collab brew anytime during the year. It doesn't have to be surrounded around Women's History Month. Um, You know, as we talked about with Black History Month and Women's History Month, it shouldn't just be a month. It should be something we're talking about and raising the profile of all year round. Great. And so we'll have information on how you can get involved for that going forward um, in the description of our podcast. Is there anything else about Pink Boots that you want to touch on? Yeah, I think just the the way that Pink Boots has been evolving, you know, I mentioned we welcome non-binary folks now. We welcome um, members from the fermented beverage industry now instead of just beer. 
We've also developed an aspiring member category. So this category is really for anybody who's looking to try and get their foot in the door in those industries. And that um, membership, I believe, is only around $20 US a year. And it gets you access to everything a professional member would have. So our forum, scholarship opportunities, any events we put on. Um, So that's a really great way to get your foot in the door um, and access to all of those great resources. Perfect. That's great. Um, Wonderful. So along those lines of we touched on Women's History Month and International Women's Day, what else is going on? What else are you working on in this in this space? <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a lot going on right now um, in the, the beer industry. Last year and this year, um, we saw a Me Too movement happening where folks were sharing um, the harassment and discrimination and other terrible things um, that were happening to them in the industry in their workplaces or at events. And so um, Pink Boots Canada has has taken up the helm a little bit with being at the, the forefront of that advocacy and then um, trying to follow through with actions for the industry. So we're working on a few really exciting things this year, including um, some diversity, equity, and inclusion training, some safe spaces training, um, and some HR resources training. So Essentially, we're going to fund all of those and make them accessible to anybody in the industry. You don't just have to be a member. And so we want to make that accessible as accessible as possible so that our industry, you know, doesn't have an excuse to work towards change and making the industry more safe and inclusive. Mm-hmm. That's great. Yeah, I think all of those things, um, regardless of where you're at or if you think you're affected by any of this conversation, knowing these things and having these to refer to, should something happen or should you be confronted with a a situation or an occurrence, then you at least have something to fall back on and saying, Hey, I learned about this, or I know a little bit about how I can move this forward and help help this situation. Exactly. Yeah. Even myself, I've learned so much in the past year um, or more and, you know, have been trying to apply that and live and lead that in in my life. Another thing that's come out of this um, Me Too movement is something called uh, Brave Noise Beer. So Brave Noise is another worldwide Brave Noise Beer is a worldwide collaboration that is advocating uh, for a safe and discrimination-free industry. And in order to participate, um, breweries can brew year-round. They have to submit their code of conduct or values, commit to the long-term work of change in the industry or within their workplace, and donate back to uh, a cause that is aligning with those values. So uh, that's been a really cool one. There's a couple of uh, Alberta breweries who've taken part so far, and we're trying to raise the profile of that initiative as well. Mm-hmm, for sure. Um, so do you have recommendations? Is there a place people can go for what those organizations they might donate back to would be? Absolutely. So uh, with Brave Noise, they have a website that you can go to and there is a list of recommended organizations that you can donate to here in Alberta specifically, there's a society called hot forward, Alberta. Uh, they were recently formed not for profit 
and they work towards putting grants together for uh, systemically excluded folks in the industry. And they can use those grants towards education if they want to put on an event or a panel. Basically, all you have to do is apply, say what you want to use the money for and how that will positively impact our community. That's great. Yeah, it's been interesting to watch uh, Hop Forward grow and gain more industry recognition. So it's nice to see that these all these different efforts are happening and they're all coming to a point where they're working together and just to boost the entire message. So it's really, it's really great to see. Um, do you have any insights or um, recommendations for people? Because you mentioned for both Pink Boots and for Brave Noise, that's a year round initiative. If someone wants it to be, it doesn't just have to be in uh, March. And we hear so often not to make this token participation essentially. So do you have any recommendations about how people either through brewing year round or other ways to participate and ensure that it's not a one-off, I did my part in March and let's move on? Yeah, definitely. I think there's two really great ways to get involved. One is, you know, as an individual, um, educating yourself, uh, following accounts like Brave Noise Beer, uh, Beer Diversity, Pink Boots Canada. Um, a lot of the training that's happening is, is happening for free and you can join virtually through Zoom and do things like bystander intervention training um, or uh, a DEI 101 just to increase your own personal knowledge and realizing maybe the privileges that you have had and how to address those in your personal life. And then for our businesses, I think a really great place to start is just to recognize that there is a problem. And um, once you've done that, then you can start doing the work to really change the systemic inequalities that are happening in the workplace. So great places to start are code of conduct. Do you have one? Does it get reviewed? Is language inclusive? And then if you have a code of conduct, how can folks report that something is happening against that code of conduct and can they safely report that? So looking at working with third-party consulting companies or um, something like Not Me, which is a really accessible app um, that folks can use. And then making sure that you're aligning or working with um, you know, with this vertical integration of accountability. So making sure you're working with, um, you know, suppliers who are aligning with your values, making sure you're going to and participating in beer festivals that align with your values and ensuring that, um, you know, if you're going to be there and representing that it is a safe and inclusive space for everybody and making sure that, uh, that we can grow those spaces so that, they are attracting um, basically folks that have been, you know, otherwise excluded from the industry up until now. No, I really appreciate that. I think uh, I was at an event recently and the DEI experts said, you know, you're probably not going to get it right the first time, but at least if you're trying, you can point to something and you can look at resources that are available, um, fail forward, essentially. Like if you do nothing, then everything stays the same. But at least if you put some effort in, we can change what is happening in the industry and what will the industry look like going forward. Exactly. And 
And I think that part, you know, scares folks a little bit. I mean, I have definitely um, made some mistakes, uh, you Me know, too. especially my role as, as president of Pig Boots Canada. But, you know, when somebody takes the opportunity to point that out to you, it's a great opportunity to just take a breath acknowledge the impact of, of what you have done and be able to, to work towards not making that same mistake again. And it's, it's really simple. We don't have to make a big deal out of it. Um, but if you're not taking those steps and, and making those mistakes, you're, you're not going to learn and we're not going to grow as an industry. So don't be afraid of making those mistakes. For sure. No, I think that's great. I think you left everyone with a lot of opportunities to participate as well as learn. And I think really those are the main steps to getting better in this space. So um, is there anything else you want to add that maybe we didn't touch on? Um, I just want to give a quick shout out to all the Alberta breweries who participated in either the Pink Boots Collaboration Brew Day. I think we had 18 or so. And then the Brave Noise Initiative. There's two of us so far who have participated in that. Um, and there's still room to participate in both of those initiatives. Also, a uh, quick shout out to Cilantro and Chive, who held a tap takeover at both of their locations, featuring some of the Pink Boots collaboration brews this past week. And then coming up here in Calgary, National Bowl at the National Beer Hall 10th Avenue location, we'll be hosting another tap takeover featuring Pink Boots collaboration brews. And that will be on April 14th at 6 p.m. So keep an eye on socials for how to attend those events. And thanks to everybody who has participated so far. That's amazing. That's a high note to leave it on. So thank you so much, Natasha. I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for having me, Blair. Thank you so much to our guests, Blair Gallus of BCMB and Natasha Kaiskar from Pink Boots Canada. We really appreciate your time and hopefully everyone out there took a lot from these conversations and we look forward to having you join us next time.